0: The greatest leaders in business look for the emerging stories in their organization and use the data to choose their preferred outcome. What outcome do you want in your business? Listen to the stories of industry veterans, coaches, and consultants so you can choose your preferred business outcome. And Welcome everyone to a brand new episode of Business Blind Spots Exposed. You know, when I thought of that title, I was like, man, that makes so much sense, but it's really long. So I call it the BBSE for short. Um, But for those who are joining us for the first time, I want to tell you what the purpose of this podcast is. My name is Vinay Raman, and I am the CEO of a company called Carmo. We use analytics to help decode human behaviors in business. There's so much data, there's so many visualizations, analytics. It's coming in from all over the place but how do you get that to understand people more empathetically so you can more compassionately act? and in business i think that's more important now than it's ever been just understanding people how uh, what motivates them so that you can be more effective as a leader so i try to bring in people who are experts in their own field with another dimension of people and how they get people to reach new goals new heights new levels of performance. And I think today I have an incredibly relevant guest, Caleb Kruger. Caleb, how are
1: you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. I'm, I'm actually really very excited about this because Caleb uh, is not in what I'd call a traditional business role in the rent sense that he's not running a company. Rather, he's your uh, appropriate title, if I get this right, is your head strength and conditioning coach for the university of north carolina's women's basketball team and as soon as i met you i was like gosh i think there's some lessons to be learned there uh caleb i want to kind of start maybe just with an open-ended question strength and conditioning Uh, do you ever feel like you've got to push people to another level that they've never seen before
1: wow uh yeah no i definitely think so i think um you know, I'm going into my 50 year full time in this role. And um, I think every year I realize how much more it is than just strength and conditioning and just working out. Um, you know, I, I think that a lot of the impact I make is actually, um, you know, the, the weight room just becomes a means to an end for some of these people. So it's not necessarily like seeing bigger numbers. And obviously we all want to be better performers on the court. That's why we're here. But at the same time, you know, just seeing people grow personally and professionally um, has kind of become really my purpose and what I do. Um, and just the way I get there is by making people bigger, stronger, faster.
0: So I'm going to throw this word out there. Tell me if it, uh, if it resonates with you, this idea of mindset. It, you're, you're, as much as you're about getting them to move, move some iron or move faster, it's as much about shift of mindset. Is that a fair statement?
1: Oh yeah, no, for sure i i I think when you know dealing with eighteen to twenty two year olds um, you know a, a lot of people have never been outside their comfort zone before. Um, you know, everyone has lived with their parents up to this point um and coming in as a freshman is hard it's it's not easy. There's so many changes um, so kind of my role, especially in the summer months, is to make sure that I'm trying to be an advocate for bridging that gap um where you know, you're no longer with your parents. Um, you're around 20, 30 new people that you haven't really spent quality time with before. Um, and in the summer, our big focus is in training and in strength conditioning. So, um, so yeah, totally.
0: So we, we came up with a title for this. And I want to read that title for you just because I think it really kind of aligns sort of how we think at a, at a deep level. And it's, it says 1% every day is the recipe for athletic and in parentheses and business success. Um, I, I want to kind of dig into that, but first I want to, want to tell people a little bit more about who you are and kind of your background. Uh, and I've got some lines from a, a bio from you and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit of this, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you're, so you said you're entering your fifth season in this type of role. You're an assistant strength coach at the university of Kansas, uh, working with the women's basketball softball and assisting with men's basketball. You were a dual sport athlete yourself in track and uh, basketball at Ottawa University. So you've kind of been there and I suspect experienced some of those uh, growing pain mindset and growing pains as well yourself. Yeah. You earned your bachelor's degree in exercise science and a master's degree in exercise in sports science from the University of Kansas. Uh, did you fall into this role or is it kind of something that you always intended? Uh, talk, talk me a little bit through the journey.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I, I think through high school and early on in college, I always knew I wanted to be involved in athletics. Um, I, I think the again the means to how I got there, I wasn't sure about, um, and I was just really exploring. Um, and then you know, obviously, like you said, I was in when I was in college, I was basketball and track. Um, and if, for anyone out there that may be listening that has dual sported in college before, it is not easy. Um, I I was a uh, dual sport athlete in high school. Um, my senior year, I actually did four sports. Um, and in the fall, I did cross country and football. So in the morning, we'd get up, go do our runs. In the afternoon, we do football practice. Um, and at the time, it seemed really easy. Um, but college, just a whole nother beast. Once you get there, just the the competition in practice, the competition on game days or uh, meet days, um, it just is at another level. Um, and my freshman year, I, I, I struggled a lot. Um, I think just physically mentally, um, I I realized how hard it was really going to be. Um, so it took, like you said, it took a huge mental shift, um, and kind of how I, how I had to approach my, my preparation, um, both physically and mentally. So, um, you know, going into my sophomore year, I was trying to decide, you know, do I still want to dual sport or do I want to just move on and only play basketball or only run track? Um, and I kind of sit back and say, no, like, I'm going to make sure I do this the right way. I'm going to give this another shot. And, you know, I spent the summer preparing, you know, again, physically and mentally for what I knew was going to be a hard thing. So I've been through it now once before. Um, And my sophomore year, I had uh, probably one of the best competitive years in my career in terms of basketball and track. Um, And that was kind of how I got me into the strength conditioning field. Um, I quickly realized that freshman year that I was not physically gifted. Um, it might've seemed like it in high school when I was, you know, I went to a really small high school in central Kansas um, with just a hundred kids in high school. And, you know, at the time I felt like I was physically gifted, got to college, realized, okay, I am not anywhere close to these people. So kind of had to, you know, shift my approach and say, okay, I got to take my training seriously. I had to take my nutrition seriously. Um, and I saw where that took me. So my initial purpose was, I want to have I want to have the same type of impact on other people Um, that, you know, I when I was in college, I didn't have a strength coach. Um, Everything was self-taught. So I realized that there's a lot of people out there that don't get this type of care or don't get to reach their potential because, you know, they might just not have a strength coach or, um, you know, sometimes maybe their mentality just needs someone there to push them. So that was kind of how I first got into it.
0: So a couple of, as we're talking through this, just sort of a lot of, uh, I'll tell you, sort of emotions and nostalgia from, you know, events in the past. I remember when I used to run, I used to run the 400. I, I have a love-hate relationship with the 400. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm fantastic. <laughs> I was fantastic, but God, I hated running that race. I, I, you know, the, the kick, the last 80 last, last eighty yards, with a, it, it's like trying to climb up to the top of Mount Everest in about 15 minutes, right? Uh, <laughs> Uh, I remember one time, you know, went to a small school, and I was, I think, the fastest uh, 400 uh, runner, and I think my senior year, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to medal on this track, and this, we go to this school where they've recruited a couple of folks, and I'm 6'2", so I'm not a small guy. Guy comes up next to me, this guy's built like a horse, about 6'5", he's probably about as wide, it's about as uh, wide as I am tall. mm mm-hmm those uh, Hey, I'll, I'll meet you. At the, I'll, I'll see. You, I'll wait for you at the finish line. I will say God, that just took like all the wind out of my sails and the way that guy spoke. And I, I think the point is that every person has got their own set of unique talents. Some people are physically gifted. Some people have got the mental game down. Some people have got the mindset game down. But it's the mix of all those things that make a big difference in how you show up and play. Is that a is that a fair statement? Do you see that as well?
1: Oh yeah, hundred um... percent you know, that's something we talk about a lot as a team and just individually is, um, you know, what drives you, Um, you know, what, when you're lining up, um, you know, maybe it's to shoot a free throw, maybe it's for the tip ball. Like, what are you telling yourself about? Maybe it's you, maybe it's about your opponent, maybe it's about your teammates, maybe it's just about the situation in general, Um, just to really find out number one, you know, where do your, where do, where does each athlete's purpose lie? But also, where, where can we use some of these things that you are saying to yourself to help push you in other areas? Um, you know, so if it's, hey, we're going to get on the line and run sprints. And I'm saying, because me personally, you know, I'm looking at the person next to me and say, I'm going to beat you. I don't care how fast you are. I'm giving my all. and I'm going to make sure you don't beat me. Some people just don't have that mentality. And it's just trying to find what it is that's pushing them. Um, luckily for me at this level of North Carolina basketball, everyone here is driven in some way. Um, what I was going to say was, um, you know, when I was in high school, I think, you know, everyone, mostly everyone played high school sports. And you realize that a lot of people are just there. They don't really care that much about the sport. Maybe sometimes their parents are just making them do it. Um, sometimes it's just something they do just to be social with their friends. Um, and I think for me, I, I when I was finishing up high school, looking forward, I was like, man, I'm finally going to move on to college where all my teammates are going to be just as driven as I am and you know i'm gonna get so much better and all this and i got there and realized wow these people are kind of the same as they were in high school um so that's kind of another point in my life too where i was like wow i think that maybe um i have to take maybe a different approach to how i interact and communicate with these people um so i can get the most out of my teammates and kind of take more of a leadership role i think in high school i just saw it as it's just the way these people are but are just the way my teammates are and Um, going on to college, I was like, okay, this might just be how people are in general, um, where they just need someone there to find out what it is that drives them and push them in the direction that not only helps themselves, but helps the team as well.
0: So, uh, you know, this, it's called business blind spots exposed. And the whole reason why is because I think there's always nuggets from all these different parts of how humans interact, especially with what you do with people right? I I love that piece where you're talking about this purpose, right? If you can, if you can help, if you can understand or probably more important, if you can help them understand what is their purpose in doing something, Mm -hmm. for example, you, are going to look over to the person next to you and say, I'm going to beat you. It doesn't matter if you're physically stronger than me, taller than me, you've won more races. I am going to do everything in my power to beat you, or at least I'm going to give you a hell of a run for your money, right? Mm -hmm. But it's because it kind of comes from the core, as opposed to just from physical strength or technical capability, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think there's such an analog to that in the business world. So many people show up to that, uh, to business because they've got to make a living for themselves. And there's a purpose there. If they can find that purpose, gosh, they work from real power. Do you, is there any stories you can share about that? Like in terms of somebody who, you know, kind of, you know, on day one, they're like, yeah, hey, okay, I'm here. I made the team and they may have made it on some talent compared to that high school, bunch of people that showed up, but now they're, they're in the real game. They're in the college. They're going to be playing at a whole nother tier and shifting that mentality, how it took them from you know point A to, to point B. Is there, is there a story, anything you can share like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think that's something we see day in and day out with every class that comes in every year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think especially at this level of, again, North Carolina basketball, um, you know, you a lot of the athletes we see come through are highly touted. Um, and they're amazing athletes. They're very talented. Um, a lot of them are really hard workers. Um, uh, Because of that, a lot of them have been starters or have played high minutes their whole careers. Um, And then you walk into a spot like North Carolina where everyone's like that. Mm -hmm. Everyone's competing every single day for a spot um, to whether that's a spot just to get minutes, maybe that's a spot to be a starter. Um, Maybe that's a spot to really get the respect of the coaches where the coaches say, you're our person. We're, we're going to you every time. And if we need a bucket, you're our person. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, a lot of people, when you talk about a purpose, they are, that's not usually a question people get asked. And what I've, what I've noticed too is when you have these athletes that are again, very highly touted their high school coaches or their AAU coaches are just saying, Hey, so and so, like you're our best player. I want you to go out there and just do whatever you need to get us to win the game. Um, which I think has its pros and its cons. Because one thing these these athletes usually aren't getting asked is, hey, why do you do this? Like, what's your purpose? Like, what what's making you want to come out here and play basketball every day? Is it just because your parents are telling you to, or is because you truly love the game? Or is it because you truly feel like this is a means to an end for you? Um, which now with with nil and other uh, other things happening in collegiate sports it, it really is becoming that especially on the female side um because unfortunately you know in 2022 female athletics still isn't grown to that level of men's athletics at a professional level um it's, it's getting there it's getting closer but it's, it's not quite there yet so um with nil it's becoming truly like we're seeing it with even some of our athletes where um they're they're out making deals and, and wheeling and dealing, and it's getting to a point where they can truly say, like, basketball is a means to an end for me. It's not just a hobby. It's not just um, something I'm doing to pay for my education. Like, I can see this being something that I'm involved in for the long term.
0: So just in case people don't understand, can you walk through what NIL is just so they understand sort of the context there?
1: Yeah. So um, in short, it's um, recently within the last couple of years, Sobelay has allowed – um collegiate athletes who in the past have been considered amateurs um to profit off their name image and likeness while they're in college so um essentially now you have a huge wave of athletes being able to make money off of um their name image and likeness I guess is simply like like that right yep so endorsements um you know that's that's one area that um you know I always try to uh encourage our, our student athletes to get involved in, especially locally where, um, you know, Chapel Hill, Durham, Raleigh is such a budding area for, um, you know, health and performance. So um, getting them involved with uh, things that are going to help them in their careers, um, not just because they see dollar signs. So um, it's, it's definitely something new and it's very, very interesting. Um, I can't speak too much to it because I Again, I don't even think, like, if I don't understand, a lot of us don't understand it yet. So, um, you know, it's still an area where it's going to take a lot of education and figuring out what's, what's best for each individual.
0: So I want to bring you back to this idea of 1% every day is a recipe for mm-hmm. athletic success, right? Um, kind of going back to the example, again, you said the person right next to you, you're going to give them a run for money. I'm going to beat you, doesn't regard regardless of their height, their stature, their strength, speed, whatever. You know, I've read before that lots of times people want to lose weight, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, that's a new year's resolution. And the goal is just simply, I want to lose weight and says, instead of James Clear in his book, uh, Atomic Habits talks about this idea of 1% every day. Don't look at sort of a short-term girl, look at a bigger purpose and say, I don't want to lose weight. I want to be that at 40 years old or 50 years old, whatever the number is, 28 years old. I want to be that 18 year old athlete again. That's what I desire to be. That's my purpose. Mm -hmm. And that'll make me transcend all those hardships over time to get there, because all I'm looking for is 1%, 1%, 1% every single day. How, how does that kind of apply? Uh, is that sort of the way you, because everyone seems to want to say, I want to get it tomorrow, right? And I just want to be done with it. But 1% every day is actually what really gets you there. Have you witnessed the same yourself?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think I think we live in an age now where we can get everything instantly. Um, and with these, again, when you're talking about 18 to 22 year olds, they, they live in that, that's been their life. Um, so, uh, trying to get them to switch gears towards, Hey, we have to have this series of short-term goals to get to where you want. And the big thing we preach here is just consistency. Um, there's times where you're going to falter. That's normal. We all do it. Um, you know, sometimes like, you know, if I, my family is in town from Kansas and we want to go get ice cream, like. I'm going to spend time with my family. We're going to go get ice cream, right? So um, we we really, really preach and harp on consistency. Um, and when we want to try to reach a goal, we can't just have an open-ended goal. Uh, what we really focus on is how can we get there in short goals that are attainable? So, um, you know, one thing I hear a lot, and this is just an example, is like, hey, Caleb, I want to be more conditioned for this season than I was last season. Well, that's, you know, we all have different definitions of what condition means right we start there how do we define condition um you know if the sport of basketball is different than the sport of soccer. um and then you know how can we get there in, in goals that are spread out throughout the offseason so um you know obviously we need to get a baseline of some type of test that we trust and then where are we at when we retest that at the end of the summer where are we at when we retest that at the beginning of preseason are we stepping towards being more conditioned um and for some people it might not be that we have a very specific end goal it might just be like hey we need to be better in november than we were in june and it needs to be a stepwise approach to get there um so yeah
0: so talk to me to this idea of um kind of back to the instant gratification right so many times i mean how let me talk about myself right so many times i'm like i'm gonna set this really high bar for myself uh, so, f- for example, this past winter, I started playing Ultimate Frisbee for the first time just because I've torn two ACLs and torn an Achilles tendon. And I was like, I don't want to play sport. Uh, I don't want to play soccer anymore. I'm going to do something less contact. And the goal for me was just to outrun a couple of 20 year olds a couple of times and just be able to catch a frisbee or jump over the head or just outpace them or something. And that was my goal. I just wanted to do that as nearing 50 kind of guy, <laughs> right? Uh, when people start, to how, how do you help people set goals that are too lofty versus something that is doable, attainable? I mean, how, how, how do you define that? I mean, someone says, hey, look, I, I've got a vertical leap of, I don't know, 28 inches, but I want to get to 44. And you go to them and say, that's ridiculous. How, how do you approach through that?
1: Yeah, no, I think... Um... I'm in, I'm lucky in the position I'm in now where I only have 12 athletes. So to, to preface, I have a really good relationship with all 12. Okay. Um, so getting to understand, again, their purpose, their mentality, how they kind of cope with their career here, whether it be three, four or five years, however long that may be, um, so that we can really focus on, okay, what's an obtainable goal that is going to step us towards where we want to get to? Sometimes like you said sometimes it is a hard conversation where it's like hey like I understand you want to be the fastest person on the team but um, you know you're six seven and you got really long limbs and unfortunately I don't think you'll ever be the fastest person on the team but we can make you faster in three months than you are now um, and just trying to hone in on okay what are people's strengths and weaknesses um, yeah like if we if we feel like your speed is your weakness then we can work on that for sure. We want to, we want to up your weaknesses, but also be able to spotlight your strengths. So we want you to be confident in what you're strong at. Um, you know, for instance, like if we have post players that are just really, really good inside the paint, they defend well, they're really strong. They're physical. That's where we want you to be. Right. But that doesn't mean we don't want you to become a better mid-range shooter or whatever that may be. Right. Um, so I think it depends on a lot of different factors, which uh, in athletics, that's, generally the uh, the answer we give for a lot of questions it depends because everyone's so different and um, you know we have five post players on our roster and they all play the game so differently
0: so look I uh, um, I've played basketball sort of recreationally i played in a couple of leagues I've played a lot more soccer and um, lacrosse and things and you know a goalie is not a forward Is not a midfielder Is not a fullback a Shooting guard is not a center, (laughs) it's not a power forward, it's so on and so forth, right? We've all got talents. And I think what I'm hearing from you is, look, let's try to negotiate and understand what role best fits you and start to accentuate those strengths that play into that role really well, because that makes you a superstar in that role, at least for the team, for the sake of the team, right? You have some clarity as to what piece you play, what you do and what you don't do, And then we can start to build goals that are associated with that. Is that, is that a fair way to say that?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the word that you said that really uh, is really important. There's clarity. Um, I I think that I've been in a lot of positions before where maybe the, the, the roles aren't clear. Um, And whether that be for me professionally, where maybe my role is not clear or for the athletes where maybe their roles aren't clear. Um, And I think that's where it comes down to a lot of collaboration between me and the sport coaches um, as well as like our athletic trainers and our psychologists At, at North Carolina, we have every resource possible. So making sure we're all on the same page for each individual to make sure that we are, like you said, pushing them towards being able to accept a role and be really good in that role, but also not being comfortable in that role to the point where you're just there. Right that um, you got to have that nice balance between I understand my role and I'm really good at it, but I'm always pushing for more.
0: Yeah. It's uh, it's funny um, in, in the business world and professional setting. I mean, I know I've worked in companies where, you know, they put a nice job description in front of you to when you get hired for the role, but it might be another, well, I say 12 months, you're going to get your annual review and 19, 21, 22 months later, is when I finally have the annual review, it's really difficult to, get a lot of clarity when there's so much of a gap in between what I'm what I'm what I believe I'm supposed to be doing and what I'm being told the role is right creating that clarity and I I suspect there's some element of ease in basketball because there's only five real people on the floor at any one point in time and they've got differences and you get to see it uh externally through basketball games professional whatever else where you get to see this stuff but I still hear that clarity discussions still continue does and and i gotta imagine as the strength and conditioning coach you're constantly having iterating on hey here's that plan of action you're creating but here's the role that we're trying to build you into Mm -hmm. does that still matching and constantly aligning those points of light. does that does that make some sense
1: yeah no definitely And and i think that goes back to um so like this is an example is in the off season, especially uh like right when we wrap up NCAA uh NCAA tournament play. Um, usually we come back in the spring for a couple of weeks, kind of do some postseason training, just get our bodies kind of recovered. Um, and CLA tournaments a long ways from the beginning of your season. So basketball is the longest sports season in college. It's it's insanely long. Um you basically play from Halloween until uh potentially the first weekend in April. Yeah. So it, I mean, it's long and um usually during that two weeks we are i'm meeting with each player individually and the coaches are also meeting with them individually but before we do that me and the coaches will sit down and say um or mainly i will ask hey like what do you want to see from this person on the court next year Uh, what are some weaknesses you saw because um even though i played basketball and I, i love the game i don't have the eyes that these coaches have they are brilliant when it comes to basketball so um i take a lot of what they say they need from those athletes And then I use that to help lead them and direct them in the way that they need to go, Um, which, again, that that kind of accentuates my my role as a support staff member where um, I'm not coaching the X's and O's, but I'm making sure that I'm giving the coaches a a product that they can use um, that puts the athletes in a good spot, both mentally and physically.
0: So I actually uh, drew a diagram that I'm actually going to be presenting a little later this week in front of a bunch of people. And, and it's got the picture of me kind of standing in this little valley. And then there's this mountain right next to me, a uh, person standing on top of the mountain, and there's a rain cloud on the other side of the mountain. I said, and, and the point there is that perspective matters more than intelligence, because that person on the top of the mountain knows it's raining before. It doesn't matter how smart I am. They know it's raining before me. And I think that's a little bit of what I'm hearing here is, the perspectives from different people will actually allow you to unlock that, give space to unlock that true greatness in each one of those players, allow them to step more strongly and intentionally into that role. Does that does that resonate with you, what I just said?
1: Yeah, no, totally. And, and for me, the coaches are on top of the mountain. I'm at the bottom. Um, uh, you know, I see a little bit of the basketball and, and areas where I think they can grow. But um, again, sometimes the coaches say, Hey, like, yeah, I, I, I think this person could grow in this area, but we want them to be really good at this area, you know? So like, that's where, that's where I feel like we need to focus. And sometimes also it is just meeting the athlete where they are. Um, I'm kind of circling back now, but you know, sometimes athletes are just like, Hey, like, and, and this is a normal thing. They're like, Hey, like, I want my, I want my biceps to be bigger. You know, like, I want to look good in my Jersey.
0: Yeah.
1: And sometimes it's like, all right, well, you know, we can always save a little bit of time and do that. And that's where you start to talk about buying too. You know, sometimes it's not all about um, what we need out of them on the court and doing the performance training to get to that point. Sometimes it's just like, what do I need to do to make them feel good and buy into what we're trying to do? Um, And there's again, there's so many things you juggle as a training conditioning coach, um, where you got so many different personalities, you got so many different individual goals and team goals, um, and sometimes you have people that don't align really well with your team goals. So how can I trick them into? you know, being aligned with what we're trying to do. Um, sometimes it's just different verbiage or maybe it's just uh, different individual conversations I have with those people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely resonates. Yeah.
0: So look, I, I, I know of organizations. I feel like I've worked for organizations myself, which is, you know, as you're talking, there's, I'm, I keep thinking to myself, this has come up multiple times in this conversation. I don't know why we don't call managers coaches instead, because really, all a manager is supposed to do is to kind understand, of understand where you are and kind of lift you up to the next level, which is what a coach does, right? You're supposed wow. to unlock that superstar performance on that person's terms. But I've seen so many organizations, or people, I've worked for organizations where each individual is different is a really pain in the ass for them, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Come on, I've got a one-size-fits-all approach and everyone kind of, the beatings will continue until morale <laughs> improves. It's kind of the way it feels sometimes. Yeah. What, what do you think would happen in your organization if you treated it that way? That way you say, hey, there's 12 of you. I've got a regimen for everyone get, that I want every single one of you to do. And I want you to follow it to the T. What do you think would happen?
1: Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think that the first thing we would see is uh, I, I think that the buy-in would be much lower. Um, I think the engagement would be much lower. Um, I think that for me, the area that I pride myself in is, again, getting the individual what they need, and what they want. Um, sometimes those things don't always align, as we know. Um, like, again, I want to eat ice cream every night, but I know I don't need it. Um, so. uh oof.
0: I mean, I, th- I think what I'm hearing from you is just this idea. I mean, it's hard to speculate in sort of a situation like that, but w- what what I hear, I mean, already hearing is sort of this level of engagement would probably drop. I'm suspecting morale levels would drop as well. I mean, people's buying, I think is a uh, word that you use there would probably drop. It's almost, you can't think about how you could go back to the other way. It's just too massive a shift backwards. Is that a, is that a fair statement?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a good way to put it. I, I just, to be honest, I just couldn't see myself doing it that way. So it's hard for me to like sit back and say like, what would it be like if it wasn't that way? You know what I mean? So, um, cause for me, like, I think that I've always been that way. And, and the relationships I think are the most important part. So if we're not building the relationships, and again, I'm blessed that I only have 12 athletes. So it's super easy and super, you know, functional to be able to build those relationships because, um, and on top of that, I, this is the only team I have. Yeah. So when I was at Kansas, I had women's basketball, softball, and I also helped with the men. So instead of having 12 athletes, I was trying to manage 55
0: and try to get to know them
1: on a, on a personal level.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I can see that how that could be really difficult. I mean, I, there's a statistic I read once that in, in, in the average business, uh, most managers have between six to eight people. And there's there's definitely stories outside of that. Mm. But you're managing 12, which is already twice what is average. And right. Like that's enough to get you to a point where you can have a good and deep relationship with each one of them. So you know, if anyone else says, it's just too much work, I might suggest, uh, Caleb's doing twice as much and he's doing it quite comfortably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So it, it, it is doable. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit, if it's okay. Yeah. I want to kind of talk about you a little bit more. So we're, we've been talking all this time about, you know, raising them to the next level saying, Hey, I, let me invite you to this path to how you can perform better based on who you are, your physiology, mindset, all that kind of stuff in this role. Um, but what about you? I mean, you, that 1% doesn't apply just to the players it applies to you as well. Does it not?
1: No, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, um, you know, my besides my purpose of, you know, really trying to grow these athletes, um, which, you know, I find a lot of my uh, my successes to be in their successes. Um, but from that standpoint, too, I want to make sure that I'm always trying to give them not only the best training, but the best uh, experience possible. Um, one thing we emphasize here at Carolina is the student athlete experience. Um we want them to be able to leave here and say that this place really gave back to them all that they gave to us. Um, and one thing I always say with our athletes is I want to not only train you really well and have you enjoy what we do, but also realize the importance of it um, for basketball and just for health. Um, I want you to be able to leave here and have a pretty good understanding of why we do what we do and why we train this way. Because like I said earlier, the 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 women's basketball game uh, internationally is still not to the level that we would all like it to be. Um, it's getting close, but it's not there yet. So a lot of these players that we see here will go on, play professionally overseas or in the WNBA, and a lot of them will not have a strength coach, unfortunately. They'll have maybe one for a couple months with their WNBA team and they'll go overseas, and I have a couple girls that play overseas that used to be here, and they're like, we don't even have a strength coach on our roster to help us. So I want to make sure that they know what we do and what works for them and they can train themselves on their own, or at least have a good guiding principles as to what we do um, in terms of like prep for a game or what are we doing the off season to make sure we're staying healthy or getting healthy. Um, Cause again, basketball is a grueling sport. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, for me, the 1% is making sure that I'm not only Giving them the best performance training i possibly can um because in in the world of strength conditioning everything comes back around um so we're at the point now where there's not a lot of new ideas out there um usually they're just old ideas that were just kind of reframed to be different um which i'm sure you've dealt with as well um (laughs) so uh for me it's just making sure I'm, i'm i'm networking i'm meeting with people that are doing really cool things um and then on top of that, my one percent, too is just is just really taking care of my home life too. Um, that's another area where um, you know with my work and then with home, those are my two areas I'm always trying to push and be the best that I can. Um, and whatever means that is or whatever areas that interest me that keep me engaged so that I'm not um, uh, like losing my focus or losing my uh, engagement in it um, which it all happens to us, you know, if there's something that I'm trying to accomplish at home, but I'm just not loving how I'm going about it and I'll find a new way to do it. Um, so, so yeah.
0: So, I mean, I I think if I could read between the lines there, I I heard, heard a lot of kind of talking along that line of purpose, right? Uh, there's, there's 10,000 things that, you know, shiny glittery bubbles and objects that are out there, but there are two things that really kind of keep you your home life and your professional life. Those are the things that keep you on the straight and narrow uh, as yeah. far as focused and growth, right? So, yeah. just as much as you preach it, you're also living it yourself, is kind of what I heard there. Is that right?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I think that's, again, when we talk about buy in, I think that's an area that is important to uh, making sure that our athletes are buying into what we're feeding them. Um, you know, if I, if I tell our athletes that we should be eating a wholesome breakfast every morning, um, but I'm coming in with a bowl of cereal. Um, you know, that doesn't really paint the picture that I'm trying to tell them. So, um, and, 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 for me too, uh, I'm lucky where my home life is very involved with my work life. Um, it's not two completely different, separate things. Um, so they kind of go together really nicely and there's nice overlap. Um, like my wife loves coming to the game. She loves basketball. She played basketball in college. Um, so it, it, it's really, really helpful when you have that type of support at home as well.
0: Well, I mean, we met at an event together. I mean, that's kind of how it yeah. <laughs> uh, uh through your wife, actually. So uh, <laughs> I much appreciated that, that event. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, it was, there's a local organization called Gigi's Playhouse, which builds a community around uh, people with Down syndrome. Uh, and since my, one of my children has Down syndrome, that's how I had the opportunity to meet Caleb and start to have this seed of the conversation here, uh, very quickly with lots of kids throwing basketballs. <laughs> that was a fun event.
1: Oh, it was awesome.
0: Yeah, that was, that was, that was fun on lots of levels. Uh, so, you know, one other thing I think that is, um, interesting when, you know, when, when you look at all these different dimensions of how people, are, uh, what they do in the world and, and how they appear and what they've got to deal with. I mean, there are probably higher pressure situations that your um, athletes deal with than the average uh, Joe working for a company, might say, generally speaking. I would also say that companies would love to keep their employees for 30 years. I don't think that's ever going to be an option for you guys. Right? <laughs> right? You might get four, maybe five, if you're lucky based on how things play out. Mm-hmm. But you've only got them for a period of time. So look, from the day they walk in the door, the clock is already ticking in terms of when they leave, and you've got to find a way to achieve optimal performance for that person while they still want to be there, still get something out of them. Get, get they they win, you win, the the fan, the community wins. I mean, everyone's got to win. Uh, and I'm and where that came to that was just sort of this idea of the legacy of people walking out the door. They've got to kind of set the stage for people that are starting to walk in the door. Is that a, is that a fair statement?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that's something we talk about as a team a lot. Um, you know, luckily for us, you know, Carolina is pretty prestigious. Um, you know, a lot of times the, the picture's already been painted. Mm-hmm. Um, and also coming from Kansas, it was kind of the same deal there. Um, so now for us, each group that comes in, it's how can we keep pushing that level forward? Um, You know, and there's always areas for growth and there's always areas that we feel like we can do better. Um, And that's why this time of year is so important to sit back and talk about it, Um, not only as a staff, but as a team uh, to find out, uh, you know, what more can we do in the community? Um, What more can we do to really push the Carolina brand to a level where um, it's no matter where we travel, we have people in the stands, Um, which is that's, it's hard. It's, it's not easy to do that. Um, So it it, kind of goes back to the 1% and just, Hey, what area, what small areas are we like? Hey, these are our weakest points. So they're the lowest hanging fruit. These are the areas we can hit the closest and be able to have the most growth um, in the time you're here. And that goes back to, um, it it seems like we're circling back on a lot of things, but it's good um, is the idea of we have to be realistic in what we can accomplish. Um, and a lot of the times, like with, with a place like Carolina, a lot of the prestige that's already here is kind of what's already giving to those athletes in the time that they're here is the experience we give them, um, which again, goes back to um, the student athlete experience and wanting them to walk out of this place in four or five years and say, I want to give everything back to these people or the, to this university because um, it, it gave so much to me. so um and that's where you start to see that the alumni growth and you see so many people in support of what we're trying to accomplish um which ultimately is to win a national championship but at the same time it's just to impact lives on a level outside of basketball as well
0: yeah wow so yeah lots of thoughts going through my head (laughs) um I, I live in the world of uh, data and analytics and visualizations. We take, and I, and I think, as I mentioned at the beginning, that we use data and analytics visualizations to help understand decode human behavior, right? Why things happen. Sports are already fantastic for their immersion within data. I mean, you go to any college or professional sport, data, 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 data. I mean, it can come out of years. ears. Um, Sometimes more than I think you could probably ever digest, I might even suggest, mm-hmm. how does that fit into how t- tell me about how you integrate sort of with your whole coaching philosophy, plus these facts and these data and metrics that are constantly coming in. you can get overwhelmed by this stuff, you can get overwhelmed by this stuff. How does that all integrate together? Can you paint me a picture there that? well,
1: yeah that's yeah, that's a really broad question um, <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, so uh, I think I'll start with saying that. Uh, it a lot of the times when it comes to, uh, I think athletics is an easy area to say that, hey, our, our, um, our performance is very strictly based on the numbers we see. So if we're improving, then we should be shooting a higher percentage or we're scoring more points or we're defending better or whatever that may be. Um, but to get to that point is more than just strength and conditioning. There's so much more involved. Um, it's the same idea as like talking about injury. Um, you know, it could easily be, it could easily be said that like a non-contact injury is caused by point A, but there's 25 other points that are also attributing to that injury. Um, for us here, um, for me personally, I guess I should say in strength, conditioning and performance for the women's basketball team, um, we use uh, a system called Connexon, which is basically a little, um, It's about the size of a half dollar um, little tracker that they wear in their shorts. And we wear it for everything we do. So um, every practice, every individual, every shoot around, every game, and we're tracking how many jumps do people get? How much distance do they travel? um, How many change directions do they have? How much time do they spend on the court versus off the court on the bench? Um, And then what we're doing with that is it's taking it all into an algorithm and telling us, this is how much load, player load this person accumulates. Um uh you know, obviously like weighing jumps and distance and sprints and all that. Um and then what we do with that is we're able to use it to hopefully, and again, I'll say that injury is it's a you can't com- completely prevent injury, but we can reduce the risk. Um, hopefully reducing injury risk in every single one of our athletes and also allowing them to play at a high level on game days. because um, in the end, uh we want to use that information to practice on an individual basis how we need to so we can play at a high level on game days um we know some of our some of our girls can they can practice all day every day and they'll be fine on game days we have others that that's just a lot of load for them and for their bodies so we have to limit them a little bit Um, and everyone's a little bit different but um you know that's an area that is new for our coaching staff, as a whole, um, it wasn't really something that Coach Banghart had been using before last year, um, so it took a lot of conversation um, to say uh, to, to get the buy-in. Like we talked about earlier, where it's like, "Hey, like I understand that so and so needs you know these reps in practice, um, but let's find a way to be efficient and effective in those reps so that we're not on the court all day trying to get them prepped." Um, So that's kind of where the data kind of meets my role. Um, And then as well as obviously all the tracking we do in the weight room. So we do a lot of velocity based tracking. So we're tracking uh, uh, the speed of the barbells on a lot of our different movements, um, which is an easy way in my mind to kind of look at fatigue um, from day to day. So, you know, if, if on Monday, so-and-so squats a weight, squats hundred pounds at 0.8 meters per second, but the next day it's 0.6 meters per second. And then the next day it's 0. 0.4 meters per second while wow, they're slowing down a lot. They're probably tired. So how can we, how can number one, how can I make adjustments in the weight room where I have most of the control? And then number two, how can we make adjustments on the court to make sure again, they're prepared on game days when it really matters. So um, there's a lot of integration in data um, between me and the, the athletes, as well as from me to the coaches, and then the coaches obviously use tons of different data metrics in terms of like uh, hot spots where people shooting the ball well, all that stuff. Um, it really is like you said; it's never ending, and it's just there's there's data pouring out of every crevice of of our arena and our offices. It's just everywhere. So,
0: well, yeah. I think I think again, sort of distilling a little bit of what you what you said there and kind of reading between the lines, is this idea that. So now you've got these 12 different individuals, you need to build custom understanding of each one of them as to where they want to go, what role they're trying to slot into how we, you know, if they're, they're square, and they got to get to a triangle shape, well, what can we do to get them to be triangles and make them buy into being that triangle, but now we've got all this data that's starting to give us a little more, a richer understanding of where they are in that journey in, in doing that. I I think that's kind of what I'm hearing is the data kind of helps support the asking better questions of the athletes in terms of that journey. Is that a fair way to state that?
1: Yes. uh, I'm glad you said that because um, I I think that in the world we live in now, data is a big talking point. um, And everyone wants to say, hey, this is what the data says, so we need to do it. Um, But you and I both know that there's so much more to it. um, And I like to say that it's, it's half data and it's half person and just being personable in coaching. Um, um, you know, there's, there's the science of coaching and there's the art of coaching. And um, mm-hmm. for, for me, I think that the data is really just a tool in my toolbox um, that helps me to kind of make decisions when I feel like it's, um, when I feel that it's maybe a tough decision to be made um, but at the same time, it's not the only thing that I'm basing the decisions off of. So when someone's speeds are dropping off in the weight room or their loads are really high, um, sometimes I it sometimes it doesn't actually need any action. Sometimes it's just like, hey, um, you know, I, I noticed that your speeds are down a little bit. Are you doing all right? How are you feeling? You know, it's it's that it's that area of empathy that I think that um college athletics and business in general need more of. Um where I'm, I'm going to run through a brick wall for my coaching staff because I know that they care about me. So I'm going to be in the office and I'm going to be working my butt off and making sure that these girls get the training they need because I know that the people I'm working with care about me and care about the girls as well, as much as I do.
0: Wow. Uh, I, so lots of times when I talk to business leaders, I talk to, I, call, I say, I call myself a data empath. And the idea is that I uh, um, uh, empathetic understanding of a human allows you to act compassionately as a coach or a manager or leader, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. And the only way I can do that is by asking better questions and data leads me to those better questions. And I think that's kind of yeah. what I've just heard from you as well. So I'm really, uh, really happy to hear that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, Caleb, I, we're getting towards the tail end of, of the, of the time that we'd set aside here and gosh, I feel like we've covered a lot. We've talked about the 1%, we've talked about Treating each one as an individual and trying to help them see how they fit into a role as part of a larger team in this case, right? Which I think is for pretty much anyone in any role, anywhere, uh, and how they can start to build some goals and alignment with reaching that role's standards. Um, what, if you could leave behind, based from, from our conversation or otherwise, if you could leave behind two or three take home messages, what, what would you say to people that? Uh, you think it has been really effectual for
1: you? Wow, um, I think number one. Um, this something has been on my mind a lot recently too. Is um, being able to lead well from your role. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, generally speaking, a lot of people think that if you are a an athlete on a team, um, doesn't necessarily mean you can lead from that role. I think you can lead from any role. Um, And I think that's an area that a lot of businesses, organizations, teams could really benefit from um, is having that approach. Um, And then I think when you talk about trying to uh, instill change, um, I I think that having a purpose and being consistent or the number one, I would say 1A, 1B in terms of trying to successfully make that change. Um, I, I think not enough people ask um, about purpose. Yeah. And I think that's such a big point when it comes to trying to figure out how to manage and lead people. Because um, uh, even, even in college athletics, you know, it there's people that don't love the game, you know, and there's people that really, really will die for the game. Um, so understanding things like that will help to lead those people better. And then, lastly, just kind of like we finished out with, I think, think empathy is such a huge missing piece for a lot of people. Um, uh, I I think that's where I, I succeed a lot, um, is, and that's where I'm able to get a lot of the buy-in from our athletes is just really showing them that I care and love for them and that their, uh, physical mental health is my number one priority on a day-to-day basis. Um, so I'll never put them in a situation where I, where I feel like they'll be hurt or um, that will affect their mental health negatively. Um, but I'm also going to find ways to push you and challenge you to not only be better on the court or in the weight room, but also be better in other areas that really matter more long-term um, than playing basketball. Because, like, I mean, if, if most people listening are like me, I can't get out on the court every day anymore. (laughs) And I'm, and I'm only 26. So um, there's, there's so much more to life than just basketball. So I would say those are my three, three big take takeaways.
0: I like it. Uh, Yeah. For anybody who's been listening, hopefully you got a lot out of this. I, uh, I enjoyed the conversation for sure. It's, uh, It's interesting how much overlap there is between the business world and the sports world and, There's so many lessons that can kind of just go back and forth. So I appreciate you taking the time to listen. But Caleb, thank you for spending some time and sharing some of your valuable time with me and some of your nuggets of wisdom.
1: Thanks for that. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, of course. Thank you.